You can definitely do it. I just think we were at this point where, is it worth it? Is it worth the freedoms of having your own business and having your own menu? Or should we just get a job in hospitality because they're so it's so high in demand at the moment. Here at Daddy Linen, we love puzzling over the very many ways there are to run restaurants. And particularly in these interesting times, we've seen a lot of people play with the model. And one way of doing it has been to scale all the way down. Uh, there's a lovely little restaurant in Hurstbridge on the outskirts of Melbourne called St. Lawrence. And the owners of that restaurant are a couple uh, who thought they were making a lifestyle choice for themselves to scale right down, basically have no staff and run a tiny restaurant in the hills. Has it worked out? We are talking today to owner Emily Petrelli. Emily, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about Restaurant St. Lawrence. Okay, well, Restaurant St. Lawrence is opened in Hurstbridge. I opened it with my husband. Um, we are both chefs. Um, Daniel has been a chef for 10 years now, and I've been a pastry chef for 12 years. Um, we decided to open something where we were raised and really showcase Nillambic and Hurstbridge and its produce and its lovely wine and just showcase the region itself. It, it, it is a really lovely region. There are so many little farmers and I love the way that, uh, that your dishes, are, they're a little jaunt around the hills and the valleys. Yes. Um, we got our inspiration just from what's in season. Um, we really wanted it to be a lifestyle choice because chefs don't really have that. And moving forward in hospitality, we really wanted to be involved in hospitality, but not necessarily do the hard yards. We wanted to choose what we wanted to do, be creative, do what had like basically have control of everything. Okay, and so what what did you do to look for that control? What what was the business model? What were the opening hours? What was the staffing situation? What was the menu structure? Okay, so our hours start off as five days a week. They were very full on because we were running everything ourselves from the menu, cooking, website, um, running all the, the, uh, the bookwork and all that sort of stuff. So we decided after COVID that we were going to scale it right down to only three days. We picked our busiest three nights, Thursday to Saturday, and we run a bake shop during the weekend, so a Saturday and Sunday morning, um, which really worked for us. We still did a lot of hours, but we were able to have a weekend and um, put thought into the menu as that takes time. We did that all in our days off. So we're constantly working, but just not in the kitchen. Okay. And um, how's that all gone? How, has it been sustainable? Definitely. I mean, we had a little bit of an interruption, COVID. We opened right in the middle um, of, well, six months before. We opened in 2019. So I feel like we never had a, a good run of it. Um, we were really busy at the start. We had some hiccups during COVID. Um, we ended up 
changing our business model halfway through COVID and we did a set menu, a degustation, which you come and enjoy the meal. Um, that was a lot easier because we got to um, only have 10 people in the room and we knew exactly what was happening because everyone got ordered the same thing. But um, then we got married. I've had a child since then. Our priorities have shifted a lot. So um, suddenly we had a, a two-month-old coming to the, into the kitchen with us while we prepped um, and it made it a little bit more difficult but, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think that I think that it was all worth it. We've experienced a lot. So, I mean, we're semi-talking about things in the past tense, Emily, and, and why is that? <laughs> um, we were just recently sold. Right. So tell me about that. Tell me about coming to that decision and how that's been. Um, it was a very hard decision because obviously St. Lawrence was our first um, first restaurant. We put everything into it. We um, renovated it and put our vision to life. We really spent a long time creating a vision and creating St. Lawrence. Um, but after COVID and the stresses of everything rising, um, the, the cost of living, we thought it was best that we ended it. Um, there was a lot of factors involved, to be honest. Um, we, our priorities shifted. Obviously, we do have a child now, so we want to create more family time with her. Um, we cannot give her our full attention, especially when everything's on the back of our mind. So um, I think that it a lot comes with owning a business, not just in hospitality, just owning, um, just having your own business. So we decided that, um, yeah, it would be best to give up the restaurant and focus a little bit more on family time. I mean, I like – I. Uh I'm obviously delighted if you've made a decision that um, is best for you as as individuals and as a family. Like that's great to be able to do that. But I also feel a little bit wistful because I remember chatting to you and obviously, yeah, it was in the thick of the last few years, which has been intense in every single way. But there was there was this very intentional process that you'd gone through of leaving behind your, you know, many, many hours, high pressure jobs in in big restaurant kitchens and creating your own little paradise. And I feel a bit sad that the realities of um, the realities of running a restaurant in amongst having a family just hasn't been able to, it just hasn't checked out. Exactly. We thought we were escaping all the pressures, but um, I guess new pressures with owning a business come, right? Totally. But, I mean, have you – can you see a way that um, a person can have a small child and and have a successful restaurant? I mean, is it 
is it because it, ha- it has to, we have to be able to work this out right like um like do you do you just think no nah, it's just not possible or do you think there are other, there would be other ways of doing it it's definitely possible it's definitely possible we made it as small as we possibly could three days a week um only a 30 seater um I still have my days off and I go in just for service and I do one prep day a week. So I'm not doing too many hours, but um, there's two of us working together, Daniel and myself. We do everything equally. Um, She helps me with Sophia. So it definitely is hard. We both work at it constantly and I think you just need – people coming through the door constantly. Um, it's a lot of emotional stress. We, you can stif- you can definitely do it. Um, I just think we were at this point where is it worth it? Is it worth the freedoms of having your own business and having your own menu or should we just um, get a job in hospitality because they're so it's so high in demand at the moment yeah that's just such a big question isn't it is it worth it It, um because I suppose yeah what how do you balance out those those the need for freedom and creativity but then also that incredible desire for stability when you've got a when you've got a kid definitely definitely um, so it just didn't weigh up for us in the end. Um, but I do believe you can also have your creative outlet working for someone. People want experienced chefs and they want people to have their own ideas as well. Yeah, that's really true. And hopefully, I mean, have you have you guys gone off and found new positions? Uh, Daniel has. Daniel has um, quite a few things going on coming up he is executive chef at Naked Satan and he has something in the works he's opening up a new um, restaurant of his own should be in the works by end of spring okay so not co- in a partnership oh, okay yeah wow that's a, that's amazing so Naked for Satan is really a, one of Melbourne's like classic rooftop venues in Fitzroy and the new project sounds exciting too was it um important for him and and for yourself to think about perhaps if you did do another business that it was a partnership yes yes definitely now I can take um a little step back I really want to focus on Sophia and family I didn't really get a maternity leave I was back at work um within the month of her being born. So I would love to just have some downtime and then get into things at a later date. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you just need people coming through the door consistently. Has that been a challenge um, for you at St. Lawrence? Definitely. It's a little small um, town. It's not like the city that everyone's going around and we get a lot of walk-ins and it's a ripple effect with the cost of living, interest rates going up, people are sort of where should we cut in our budget, which is a luxury of going out for dinner. Um, It's definitely dropped. Um, I wouldn't say it's forever. 
I think it will pass. But um, it was certainly a factor in in why we closed because obviously less people coming in the door and our produce was going up and our um, wages were going up, everything. Yeah, it's a bit of a quadruple whammy. Um, I mean, it, it, and I suppose you'd already played with the business model so you weren't going to be thinking of, I don't know, opening for lunch or doing a bit of a la carte because you'd already sort of, I guess, moved away from that. Had that You'd already thought that one through. So we've done – we started a la carte last year and we do a la carte now. Ah. Yeah. Um, we were hoping it would bring more people into the, in the door, which was our original concept. Um, we also were wanting to open for lunch. However, we couldn't find any staff to help us out and – with just us two and Brock alone, we couldn't we couldn't um, prep and do service for lunch and dinner. Yeah, right. That's so interesting. I hadn't realised you'd gone to a la carte. So you, uh, how did that go? I mean, did you find that you were getting people through? And and if you were, did it sort of was it worthwhile? It was definitely worth worthwhile. Um, we do have a lot more people in the door. Um, than the degustation but you obviously need to turn the restaurant over maybe two three times a night and it just isn't happening we should put people in the picture of what a special little dining room it is can you talk about the building yeah it's a pretty iconic building in Hurstbridge. it's um made out of recycled bricks and burnt beams so it's a very rustic dim lighting room um, almost looks like an old barn and it's it's I don't even know how to explain it it's so rustic it's got slate um, slate flooring and it's made out of the old pub that was across the road in Hurstbridge in the 1980s. Yeah, it's really, it's it's unique. Like there's nothing else like it. It feels, I mean, I guess Hurstbridge does have a bit of a, a country village feel, but you definitely feel like it's, um, yeah, it's very rural feeling when you're when you're in there. And it definitely is. Yeah. Um, and talk about some of the producers that are in the area and, and how you went about you know, exploring, exploring those the produce around you for your menus. It's a really lovely little area. We didn't know we were so close to wineries. We're 10, 15 minutes away from really lovely wine that only produce 800 bottles or so. Um, and they're the same as us, running with just husband and wife, most of them. So we sort of just did a little Google search on what's around and um, got recommendations from locals and we just did tastings and went up to the winemakers and said, hey, can we have a tour of your winery? Can you show me how you make your wine? And they were so lovely and invited us in and we've been to pretty much all the wineries that we stock um, and they make their own wine, whiskey, uh, brandy and um, gin. So I think once we got a little list, it sort of just 
fell into place and we got recommendations from other locals and people are starting to come to us now. Um, we've been to a few little farms out in the hills that, um, again, a husband and wife, and they just grow what's in season and just drop what they, what they grow to our door, whatever they've got that week. Um, I remember ringing up a, a dairy farmer saying, your cream, my cream is running late. And they said, oh, sorry, sorry, we've actually run out, but the farmer's, the farmer's uh, milking the cows now, so we should get it to you tomorrow. And I was like, okay, how can I get upset when, when he's out there milking the cow as we speak, you know? <laughs> I love that, Emily. What about some of the dishes? Like, can you talk about yeah, some of the, the produce and, and how you turn that into part of the menu? Um, I guess it's like everyone else, we sort of, we have a major collection of cookbooks um, and we just flick through them regularly and get inspiration from that, other restaurants on Instagram and then we just sort of see what our suppliers have on special or what's recommended for that week and we sort of just um, talk about it as a team and we just create dishes it's it's really um nice to have a free thoughts and just try trial and error and do things we are our own bosses so we just um yeah have a have a think about it talk about it trial and error and if we like it it goes on the menu so what are you loving from the current menu current menu it's very comfort food we do basics we do um we've got roast duck and preserved cherries from the summertime um we've got a burnt cabbage on the menu as a side that we've done on the coals um everything is done with maximum love i should say dan's from a very fine dining background so we do everything fine dining but very rustic and I mean it is a small community there and I know people travel to come to the restaurant but the bake shop is a very local affair can you tell us about the baked goods and um how that's how that's what that's meant to the community I think it meant more to the community than we thought initially when lockdown was happening and we didn't know what was what we should do we said we should do what we're good at and I was good at baking cakes, really rustic home style, things like um, lemon tarts and brownies and and lamingtons and just cookies and every time lockdown was announced, I um, had rumours, people coming up to me and saying, I heard these people in the town were saying that it's great because it's lockdown again and we get your cakes and sure enough, um, we would open on the on the Saturday of lockdown and there was a line up the road just waiting for cakes and pies, meat pies. Wow, you definitely softened the blow for people there. <laughs> definitely. Um, we, still, we still did it up until I was 38 weeks pregnant. Wow, Emily, that's great. Well, that's incredible. Um, what's it going to be like, you know, coming into the final weeks for you at St. Lawrence? I think it's going to be very bittersweet. I don't think we've fully processed it. 
um, we've put so much into St. Lawrence. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be, I try not to think about it and that's how I get through things, but it's probably going to be very emotional, especially saying goodbye to our locals. Our regular customers are so lovely. They give us produce and um, gifts, a lot of gifts they give us. It's so lovely. It's We've really become a part of commu- a community. Yeah. I mean, so do you reckon, should I feel happy for you or sad for me <laughs> that, you're, that you're closing the restaurant? Should I feel that, you know, the hospitality model is, is broken or that this is just a, a really positive, intentional lifestyle decision that you guys have made for yourselves? We're taking it as very positive. Um, I can't wait to close the door. Not that it's been a negative. We've learned so much and I don't think uh, Daniel or myself could take positions in hospitality if we didn't open this restaurant. Um, yeah, Daniel's going to be executive chef, which is it's really great because he, he left um, to open St. Lawrence as a sous chef. So what we've taken on is just amazing um, and just learning about life in general we wanted to do this when we didn't have a family, so there was no burden on the family. So I think it's just a little tick off the box, something we did, and now we can just move on. Wow, I love it. I got a shiver when you were saying that. It's just, yeah, it's so powerful. I love it. That's that's That makes me feel good. Okay, I won't be sad. Um, Emily, I, are you able to talk about who you've sold the business to? Um. I guess I could, yeah, they would probably like me to do that. Um, uh, a couple who are local as well, they are coming from a catering background and it should be from what I think is a, it's a cafe slash food store. So I'm thinking some sort of provador. Oh, that sounds great. And you're going to basically hand over the keys, you know, if they're planning to make many changes or renovate or can people expect to, to get in there sort of this winter? I'm expecting probably a little bit of renovations. I'm not too sure. Everyone likes to put their stamp on things, but I'm sure it's going to be open this winter. Yeah. Yeah, that's so exciting. Um, well, All right, you've turned me around from devastated to delighted. So thanks for taking me on that journey, Emily. Um, I wish you all the best with the final weeks. And uh, yeah, certainly I hope it is a good feeling when you you close that door for the last time and um, yeah, go and hang out with your baby. Oh, thanks, Danny. (laughs) This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.